are the threads that weave the tapestry of our existence, connecting one chapter to the next, creating a masterpiece of growth and transformation. Today's guest, Leah Frazier, has had many full life chapters, with her latest becoming part of the health and wellness space. Frazier is a two-time Emmy Award-winning entrepreneur, publicist, speaker, best-selling author, and one of the top 50 leaders in innovation for Dallas-Fort Worth. She is an attorney turned media maven through her company, Think3 Media, which provides marketing, public relations, and communication services for innovative brands. Frazier is also host of the podcast, PR Yourself with Leah Frazier. Recently, she launched a new business, Leah Heals, and has become a certified meditation instructor, mindfulness coach, and sound healing practitioner. Frazier is also one of my classmates for the Mavericks Mavs Business Assist MBA program. Welcome to the Girls That Create podcast, Leah Frazier. Thank you for having me. So I want to go back to the beginning. When you were little, were you interested in fashion? Were you interested in writing? Were you kind of drawn to those creative outlets when you were a youngster? I don't know that I was necessarily interested in fashion. I think that came a little bit later because I was always kind of obsessed with my mom's clothes. She always dressed really nice. And I was that kid that would go in my mom's closet and try to wear her high heeled shoes and figure out how does this thing work? So I think I was always fascinated through her sense of fashion, but I don't know that I necessarily thought about that's what I want to be when I grow up. And then with creative writing, I think I had a little bit of some curiosity there. There is a, I called it a book. I think I was in the third grade and I wrote this book about this young girl who was overweight and all the kids picked on her and I have no idea where any of that came from but I wrote that little book on construction paper and manila paper back in third grade so I guess I've always had some sort of interest in creative writing so it's always been there but I don't know that I ever thought I could make a career out of it. But you had that made a career out of communications and that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on this podcast because You've worn so many hats throughout your career, actually. And the next one being that when you graduated high school, you got a basketball scholarship, went off to college, and you thought, though, you might go into law enforcement. Is that correct? Yeah. So even in college, I didn't necessarily know what I wanted to do. I started out as a computer science major, and the only reason I did that was because I thought, oh, they make money. So I need to go and do computer science, and when I got into it, I did two years. I learned programming. I learned coding. And when I was falling asleep in my classes, I started thinking, like, maybe this isn't the career for me. And as a basketball player, most of the athletes were criminal justice majors. So it's not that I had this growing interest in law enforcement. That's just where all the cool kids were. And so I switched my major to where all the cool kids were and found out a little bit later along, like, maybe I can go be a cop with this. And It was my professor that kind of said, no, actually, I think you would be an awesome attorney. There were some things you did in our criminal law class that 
had me thinking that maybe you should explore that. And so that's how I kind of rerouted myself from going and being a law enforcement officer to going and trying to get into law school. But, you know, starting in law school and starting in law, can you kind of walk me through, like, what your career was like as a lawyer? Yeah, um, it was a little crazy. <laughs> it, it really just, all those rumors and scary things you hear about law firms, yeah, that, that does happen. Because when you get out of law school, you don't know the practice, and you kind of get thrown into the fire, and it's like, catch up, baby lawyer, you know, figure it out. You have your partners, but they can only oversee so much. And so you really do learn by doing. And that was a very, very uh, scary thing for me because I am sort of a perfectionist. I like to know what I'm doing. But yeah, I did everything from going to court um, weekly. I, I was in bankruptcy, so I had to meet with a lot of trustees and argue a lot with opposing counsel. And even in law, there was a lot of reading cases and writing. So I was writing and drafting motions or orders or things like that practically every single day. And then at some point going to court to argue those and, and organizing my thoughts and my arguments. And so highly analytical job, highly stressful, but I loved it. And I think it kind of helped me to become the communicator that I am today. So when did this whole idea of, you know what, fashion's kind of calling to me, this industry is calling to me because obviously law and fashion are, you could say, very opposite sides of the spectrum. And although there are similarities, as you just pointed out, because you're still, you're communicating, you're writing, you're sharing, you're sharing information with people. But how did you decide to make that step forward into fashion a little bit, keeping the law job, but also starting to kind of look into this whole other industry and this whole other identity? Fashion was always there. Like I said, I was that, that kid that played in my mom's shoes and was fascinated by her closet and all her clothes. And growing up, I had a fascination for dressing well and matching my purse or my shoes or all the things that my mom taught me. So even as an attorney, I wasn't the typical attorney. I had very colorful, bold, vibrant clothing that I would wear to court. And that love and that passion was always there. But when I would go home for my kind of relaxation, I would watch Bravo TV, shout out to Bravo, <laughs> and there was this show called The Rachel Zoe Project, and one of my really best girlfriends at the time was obsessed with fashion as well, and she's like, you've got to watch this show. Her life is insane, and I just became immersed in this show, like watching Rachel as a celebrity stylist, styling all of our favorite celebrities, and how she pulls the pieces together, and then it followed her to Fashion Week, and you see all these accessories and these shoes, and I'm like, I want to be Rachel. Like, I want this. And I don't know, maybe subconsciously it started to come out of me that I wanted to see this creative side of myself, and that show was kind of embedding itself in my life. And so I started dreaming about it, and it almost became like it was like every single night I was dreaming about creating something similar to what Rachel had until finally I was like, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> Let me see what that looks like on the side because I love being an attorney, but maybe there's some fashion business I could build on the side. And from there, I took a personal shopping certification course. I got certified and I started this small little hobby of styling the attorneys at my law office. I never imagined that it was going to blow up into what it did. So that's kind of the story. It's just, it all started from a dream. 
And you started writing, so you actually had your own website, and then you would also do freelance work for other sites. And did yeah. a TED Talk as well, which I love in the TED Talk, you talk about that idea of being authentic. And you're yeah. kind of bemoaning a little bit about how the online world had changed a lot because it went from people starting blogs and publications about, you know, what they cared about to suddenly people were more interested in how to make the money, which you understand, but at the same time, it gets to a point where your that authentic voice is getting lost. And I think that's something you definitely tried to keep alive in your work, that you were truly being Leah this whole time. Yeah, I think my whole brand, even up until today, is always built in kind of like this fascination and wonder where you're constantly evolving, you're finding out different things you like about yourself or different things you like to do. And then you're on this constant hunt to explore and there's never like an age cap to that. However, when we're younger, however we're brought up in whatever environment, sometimes our creativity gets stifled. Maybe it's by our parents or maybe it's by our social constructs. And so we stop being curious about things. We stop being curious about ourselves. Like, why am I drawn to that? Or why do I like to do that? Or, hmm, maybe I am really good at that and I can leave that career behind. And so for me, once I really started exploring and realizing doing these things makes me happy and, oh, I can monetize it too, I never am afraid to keep peeling back that onion and realizing just how creative I can be. And it started with the career in fashion. And from that, you actually ended up leaving law, saying sayonara to law, going full on into the fashion communication. <laughs> and you then decide to open a company, your PR company. And how did that come about? How did you decide to actually focus on public relations? Yeah, I'll kind of backtrack. So when I started the fashion business, I knew that I didn't know what I was doing. I knew people were going to say, you are nuts. You went from law to fashion. That doesn't make any sense. You don't know what you're doing. We don't want to hire you. And so at the time, blogging was kind of the thing to do. And I figured, well, if I could start a blog on my website where it came from like this expert point of view, here's the trends or here's what I'm seeing, then maybe people will want to work with me because I sound like I know what I'm talking about. And the blogging thing really took off because not only was the time I was living in Houston, there wasn't really that many Houston fashion bloggers out there. There wasn't that many bloggers of color on top of that. And so my voice really stood out. And before you know it, I'm getting phone calls to do TV. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. And so I'm just kind of learning as I go. And that led to going to Fashion Week and becoming a fashion editor for many digital websites. And so it kind of rolled into that space. I kind of forgot what your question was. And I know I was going down that path. <laughs> Well, let's we'll circle back. Think3 Media is your company. Yeah. And how did you fall into doing public yeah. relations with it? So really, it started all with that because along that journey of doing media and TV and blogging and accidentally becoming this influencer, because that term didn't even exist, I was kind of acquiring this Rolodex of contacts. And I was also acquiring a knack for content marketing before that even existed as well. And I noticed that there was a lot of businesses that I was going out to cover that I was interested in that had no digital presence, that their social media sucked. Maybe they were an amazing mom and pop business that deserved to be on TV but didn't know how. And I'm like, oh, the producers are my friends. 
And so Think3 Media came about because I really wanted to help smaller businesses gain that exposure that I learned all those years by being an accidental influencer, an accidental journalist, so to speak. And I launched it out of the gate. And there were so many small businesses, specifically in Bishop Arts, that signed on right away. And it just, within like maybe a month or two months, I had six clients. So it was insane. Absolutely insane. Where did the name Think3 Media come from? Um, <laughs> so the funny story was that I was trying to come up with a name, and I always run things by my mom because she's super brainy, super smart. And every name I gave her for two months, it was like, no, no, I'm not feeling that. Uh, that doesn't resonate with me. I don't feel that in my spirit. And I'm like, really? Because now I'm out here operating a business with no official business. So I need one of these to stick really quick. And I was in church, and the pastor was talking about how everything that was prolific in the Bible happened in a round of threes. So it was like, you know, Jesus died at the age of 33. There were three wise men. This happened in threes. The Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. So everything prolific happens in threes. You have to think in threes. And I was like, I have to think in threes. And so I wrote that down, and then I was like, think three. Think three marketing. I've got it. And then something hit me, and I'm in church and all this is happening, and it was like, no, you are really putting yourself in a box. All the things that you do is not in a marketing box. You do media. So I'm sitting there like, think three media? Think three media. So I start Googling all the social media platforms to make sure the name was available. Mm -hmm. I buy the URL in church. At this point, I've stopped listening to the pastor. Screw it. I got what I needed for today. Thank you very much. And I bought everything in church. I secured all of the social media handles. And then I nervously called my mom a couple days later. I was like, what do you think about this? And she was like, that's it. And I was like, it better be it because I just bought all this stuff for it. <laughs> and that's how I think Story Media came along. I love it. What have been some of the favorite PR campaigns that you've done? And what have been some of the most memorable ones that you've gotten to be a part of? Oh, wow. There's so many. Pick three. <laughs> wow. Wow. There's so many. There's so many. There's so many. Favorite PR campaigns. How about ones this year? What have you done this year? I would say, was it this year that we did this? I don't know if it was this year or last year, but I really loved working on Big D Reads with the city of Dallas and D Magazine. So the big buzz right now is all about book bans and what does that do for history and, you know, uh, what does that do for society? And so for them to be brought along in this project to do PR to pretty much revitalize and bring back to the forefront a book that was banned in the city back in the 80s. That really told us the history of our city of Dallas, which it was from a social point of view, a racial point of view. And to be a part of that and see how many community leaders we had involved. There were so many healing conversations in the city that came from that. We're working on a national report right now so that other cities can do that same type of healing work. It was just powerful. Everybody from the Dallas Mavericks were involved. Amazon was involved. So for me to have this small little agency and them say, hey, you know, <laughs> come along and be our PR partner. I was like, wow, and really blew it out of the park. But I love just meaningful, impactful work. And, yeah, so that one, that one was, that one was a good one. That one was a really good one. 
And you just did a fashion show for Juneteenth, I believe, as well, right? I did. And so that one is kind of, that one's kind of cool. So that one's more of a marketing turned PR type of project where we use fashion to help the retailer reach their bottom goal, which was we are a luxury shopping destination for all. However, maybe that for all part, we're still trying to make sure we get people from all counties all zip codes, all ethnicities to our property. And then once they're here, understanding that we're a luxury fashion destination. And so my goal was, well, maybe I can use, especially for the, I, you know, specialize with black community and and black cultural concepts. So maybe we can use a holiday like Juneteenth to have an event that then helps you with that pillar that maybe you need a little help with and using the one thing that brings everybody together, whether it's arts, entertainment, and fashion, and bring them all onto your property for this major fashion show to help you reach that goal. And the first year we did it, it worked. And this year, it worked even more. Even better. (laughs) Right. And so to have that happen for the second year in a row, to support artists and local artists and entertainers and local designers, even down to the food court. Everyone in the food court makes an astronomical amount of money when we do that event. We even have people fly in from out of state because they saw it on social media and was like, I need to be there. I didn't find this out until (laughs) like last week. But we had out-of-staters that was like, we don't want to do Juneteenth in our State. We saw this on social media. We need to be at this show, and they came to the show. So I'm just uh-huh. blown away, and it's so much fun, so much fun. That's wonderful. We're going to take a short break to hear from our sponsors. This episode of the Girls That Create podcast is brought to you by the Girls That Create website, where we provide parenting resources for raising creative girls while also encouraging greater female representation across the arts. Visit us at www.girlsthatcreate.com, where you'll find articles by some of our podcast guests, including Dr. Michelle Borba, Jessica Leahy, Renee Trudeau, and many more. You can also sign up for the Girls That Create newsletter at www.girlsthatcreate.com slash newsletter. She is brave. She is bold. She is you. And we want to tell your story. Are you ready to share your journey with us on Word of Mom Radio? Go to wordofmomradio.com and register as a guest. We want to tell your story because when you win, we all win. Healing Through the Arts, a wonderful creative program by Arte Gallery and sponsored by Visit Bucks County down in New Hope, Pennsylvania in February, March, and April. Join the team at Arte Gallery and showcase wonderful artists who are healing problems through the arts, whether it's a sickness and illness, miscommunication, barriers on cultural divides or racism or things. Everything is addressed through a creative process. Join us for classes, lectures, and beautiful displays of healing through the arts at Arate Gallery. For more information, log on to aretegallery.com. That's A-R-E-T-E gallery.com. Unsilenced Voices has been working diligently in Ghana, Sierra Leone, Rwanda, and the USA to combat domestic violence, sexual abuse, and human trafficking. We currently have over 50 young girls on a wait list in Sierra Leone to go through a vocational training program to get them off the streets and out of harm's way. We have gifted over $33,000 to U.S. survivors and are looking for volunteers and donors to help us continue our cause. Please visit us 
at www.unsilencedvoices.org. Again, unsilencedvoices.org for more information. Don't let the name fool you. Stadiumbags.com is not just for sports fans. Our clear bags make it easier for you to get into any venue that you go to. And in today's world where we are so concerned about germs, the materials that our bags are made with are strong enough to stand up to the solvents that you can use to clean your bag so you know you come home safely. So check out stadiumbags.com. You'll see why we are the clear choice because safety, it's in the bag. And we're back with the Girls That Create podcast on Word of Mom Radio. My guest today is entrepreneur Leah Frazier. Also, you have a podcast. Can you tell me about PR yourself with Leah Frazier? Again, another one of those things I didn't want to do. (laughs) Oh, podcasts are fun. Here we are. (laughs) I really really did not want to do this. You can ask my attorney. But during the pandemic, I realized that there was, again, everything starts with identifying a problem and then you feeling that need, right? So during the pandemic, I realized there was a lot of small businesses who were freaking out because they did not have a digital presence. Maybe they were brick and mortar. They were forced to shut down. How do we sell? We're a mom and pop business. This is going to put us out of business. And so I decided to tell people, here's how you can do easy DIY PR for yourself. That's not going to cost you a lot of money because I know you don't have the money right now. And so PR yourself was birthed. It was a course. The four-week course telling people how to get PR on their own. My attorney sees it and calls me and says, here you go again, creating something new, not talking to me about it. It's not copyrighted. It's not trademarked. So let's go ahead and trademark this because this is good. And by the way, I think to further solidify your trademark, you need to create a podcast. And just dump all that information on a podcast. I was like, I don't have time for a podcast. You're giving me a headache. And I literally was like, goodbye. And for weeks, she was like, you're going to start the podcast? You're going to start the podcast? You're going to start the podcast? And that's how the podcast was started, more so to strengthen my trademark. (laughs) But out the gate, it was like in the top 30 of marketing podcasts, and it was top 100 in Canada. So I was like, I guess I should keep this thing going. And now we're heard all over the globe. And I think my last numbers, I'm still in the top 5% and the number eight PR podcast in the world. So I guess she had a point. (laughs) She's a good good attorney and a good friend and a good consultant. (laughs) Great, great at all things. And she still takes her credit to this day. Remember that thing you didn't want to do that's doing so well. So I'm like, "Eh, okay. Well, and on that note, I think people love going to your podcast because, as you pointed out, you know, people know they need to get their brand out there, their who they are, what they're doing, sharing it, because that's how you bring business and partnerships, and it's just a key, a key piece of a business that a lot of times people go into what they're doing, but they forget that element. Of, oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And we've had people successfully book TV segments. We've had people get national press and newspapers based off the tips and tricks that we provide on PR Yourself. So it is it is not a fluff podcast where I'm holding withholding information because I want you to buy my package at the end. No, I'm handing it all over to you. And like, if you're willing to do the work, I'll bring the experts that'll tell you how to do it. And so that's that's what it's there for. As an expert in personal branding, what advice do you have for creatives who are looking to establish 
a strong personal brand online, but they may feel a little lost about what to do. What's like the first step that they can start besides listening to your podcast? (laughs) The first thing you can do is just make sure your branding is consistent as far as like your digital footprint is what I like to call it. So buying your URL in your name is very important. Okay. And even if you don't plan to use it, buy your URL in your name and and then go and hold all social media platform usernames in your name. Because you don't know if you're going to blow up tomorrow. And there are actually people out there that wait and they're monitoring. And they'll go buy all your stuff and then you've got to go buy it back from them. Or you've got to operate your business out of an entirely different name because you just weren't prepared. So in personal branding, it's I'm going to own my little piece of real estate here on the web in my name. And then if you have companies or you go by a pseudonym or some other type of name, going and doing that same thing for those, and then that way you're consistently branded. I can't be the Leah Frazier on Instagram and then Leah.23178 on TikTok and Everything needs to be under one name and consistent, and that's one of the problems I have a lot, and I I have to correct that with clients because you'll go on TV and they'll be like, I couldn't find her, and if they can't find you, they they either will leave your information off or they'll go on to the next person, so that's the one area is go out and secure and own all of your digital real estate that pertains to you and all of your businesses or whatever it is that you're trying to do. That's my number one thing. And that'd be a great, that's also great advice for a young person who's starting out as well. As soon as, you know, you're in high school and you may be thinking about being an artist or having some kind of going to any kind of creative endeavor, you want to make sure you own your, as you said, your name. Yeah. There's times I'll get a great idea and I'm like, Oh, that's cool. I'll just go ahead and buy the URL and I hold it until I have time to actually flesh out the idea or work on it. I think at one point I had 72 URLs. Wow. And sometimes I just go in there and I don't renew it. And I'm like, oh, I thought I was going to do that. I'm not. And then I'll release all of them. But at least I've given myself the room to grow and I've protected my intellectual property or, or I have some sort of protection on my idea versus having this idea. Maybe somebody else has the same idea, but you didn't go and do what you needed to do to make sure you could bring it to life. And then when they do, you're hurt. (laughs) You have been very open about challenges you faced as an entrepreneur in your journey. Can you share with uh, maybe a difficult situation that you overcame and how that's impacted you as you've moved forward? In leaving law to go into entrepreneurship full-time, I went more off of passion versus having a plan versus knowing business. I had taken a bunch of business courses, but I didn't really know business as in processes, systems, structure, uh, all of that. I went off of, oh, well, I've been getting clients and business is great. Let me just go full time into it. And without having a structured plan or at least for a year or whatever, my business failed and I lost everything, financially lost everything that I ever worked for, I lost. But I was kind of grateful that all of that happened because it did force me to be a better business owner. It forced me to budget. It forced me to actually increase my pricing. I was not charging what I was worth. And so it made me more firm on this is my price, this is what I'm worth, and you guys aren't going to bankrupt me 
So pay it or leave, you know. And so I needed that to happen, but it, it was very devastating. Like who goes from being this high powered, very well paid attorney to, oh my gosh, I'm struggling. And I'm like two seconds away from being homeless. No one wants to go through that. And so it was, it was definitely very challenging, but it showed me my grit. And honestly, one of the things I tell my friends, I have several friends right now struggling with their businesses. Marketing and communications ain't what it used to be. <laughs> And um, I just had to tell them, like, if you're an entrepreneur, you're an entrepreneur for the rest of your life. So if you made it happen one time, the the cool thing about it is you can re- do it over and over again. You just got to pivot and figure out what does the market need and then go create that based off of the knowledge and the passion that you have. And I think that's how I got myself out of the hole was kind of wedging myself into that and having that grit. It's so important as creatives, I think, as a creative, you actually are an entrepreneur because you're having to sell yourself and your work and constantly having to market yourself to get new gigs, new clients. Where is that going to show up? Where's that play going to be? Where's that book? You know, if you, have, if you write a book, you've got to sell the book. And I think we always forget, creatives sometimes forget that whole business aspect of it, how important it is to focus on that. Yeah, it's. One of the mistakes, a, a good friend of mine, we just met up the other day to talk about how she's having to do her pivot and it's very painful. But one of the mistakes she made was that she didn't put enough effort into business development. She relied on that client that had that hefty budget for her. And when that hefty budget left, there was no one in the pipeline to bring in to fill that void. And then there comes the layoffs and all the things that come after that. So as a business owner, you you can never really settle into a comfortable space. Like me, I'm always on business development. I'm like, even if you don't think you need me, like, here's what I have to do, or here's here's what we can do to constantly keep money coming through the door. And, and that was the one key mistake that she made was that she just got too comfortable. More recently, you've actually launched a new business. You leaned into a new space, and you found a passion for wanting to help others with total body wellness and launched Leah Heels. Can you tell me, how did you find this new path and tell me about this new business that you started? I've always been into meditation, maybe not necessarily doing it the correct way. I've always had a fascination with it. I love the way that it made me feel afterwards. And then particularly during the pandemic, um, I was single, I lived by myself, I was isolated from my family. There were so many different factors. George Floyd, running a communications agency where we were everybody's first call everybody's first call. So it's like, no, you can't grieve what's happening. You can't grieve everybody that's passing away from this this virus. You can't absorb the fact that this virus is what it is. And I didn't have enough brain capacity to even think about that. And so after a certain point of just pushing myself and pushing myself to keep my business going and be there for everybody that needed, needed us, I slowly began to sink into like this depression because I wasn't able to take care of myself. And once everything opened back up, the first place I went to was the wellness studio. And I was literally like crawling in there, like, help me. And they were just like, oh my God, go in the first room. We don't care. You just go in there and sleep, but you, you need it. And it got to the point to where I was going every single day. And it helped me so much that when they asked me, would you be interested in teaching? Because they did notice that when I posted on social media, they got more clients. Hmm. And particularly, they got more clients who looked like me. 
And it was like, okay, this was the audience that we wasn't able to get through the door in Highland Park. And so once they asked me that, and I did realize there was more women who looked like me, who were like, they were like Leah Juniors in my DMs, almost asking me if it was okay for them to engage in this type of practice. I knew that even though I didn't want to do it and I did not have the capacity or the time to go through a training, I did it anyways. And it was probably one of the best decisions I've ever made. It just unlocked so many different doors for me. It allowed me to help and heal so many people. And again, it was just me going along with a passion and then a new business unlocked itself. And so here Leah Hills is, I've gotten certified not only in meditation, but I have a music background. And so I was able to pick up sound healing very easily. So I'm certified in sound healing. I'm currently in class to be a vibrational sound therapist. So that will be coming very soon. I got certified in Reiki. I'm certified in mindfulness and soon to be also certified in mindfulness-based stress reduction, which is great for corporations. So again, just kind of peeling back this onion, not knowing that I had all of these things. They've been there all along. But now it's like, wow, I really am good at this. I really, you know, I'm really helping so many people and now building a business out of it and it actually bringing in some sort of income just blows my mind. And so that's where we are with Leah Hills. Hopefully I'll have a studio one day. <laughs> I have no doubt. I would love to hear your thoughts about, we kind of touched on this earlier, but the idea of not closing doors, but always being open to walking new paths and moving forward. Because I think that's something that can't be stressed enough because whether you're young, starting off in a career, and maybe you took a, take a job and you're like, oh, my gosh, this is not my plan, but I need to put food on the table, and here I am. I guess I'm just here, and you can feel maybe a little bit disillusioned, like, really, is this wasn't what I thought was going to happen, to maybe you're in the middle of a career, and you look up, and you're like, wow, I'm entering middle age, and here I am in something I'm not feeling very passionate about at all. I don't want to even get out of bed to keep doing this. And I'd love to just kind of hear your thoughts about, you know, always being looking for those open paths and, you know, leaning into things that are calling to you. I think even in my practice as a meditation instructor and even working with my students and clients, the one key indicator or factor that always reveals itself to me is that we don't grant ourselves enough space. You can't figure out what you want to do. And you can't figure out what direction you want to go in unless you have space. And I'm not talking about, let me clean my room, let me <laughs> feng shui my house. I'm literally talking about creating space for yourself so that you can hear things, so that you can get downloads. Clearing your brain so that that creative part of your brain can actually turn some wheels and tell you, like, this is how you make that thing inside of you grow. This is how you make that thing pop. Unfortunately, since we were kiddos born in a capitalistic society, we're always on the hustle and the grind and with millions of distractions around us a day. And so innately, we don't know this concept of space. And so in order for you to find out what am I really passionate about and how can I figure out how to make that grow or work for me, you have to allow yourself to have space, whether that's I'm going to sit down for 30 minutes every morning by myself 
in my little safe space and I'm just going to write whatever comes to me or I'm just going to connect with myself or I just need some stillness or whatever. And at some point in time, you will get very clear on what is it that I'm passionate about? What is it that I like to do? What are some ideas? Where do I need to be? It will start downloading within you. But if, you, if you're distracted all day long and you keep feeding into the distractions, it's not going to come. So you have to honor space, period, within yourself, outside of yourself, and that's where all the clarity will come. And put in the work, too, to actually. Put in the work. Yeah. Exactly. So we do you have to be very intentional. Even if you have to put it on your calendar, I am not available. My focus feature on my phone is going to go from this hour to this hour because I'm creating space for myself, even if it's just to sit in a chair and do absolutely nothing. To your point, yes, you have to be very intentional about it. What has been one of the most rewarding moments you've had in this new line of work, in this healing space that you've experienced recently? My friend, Lady Jade, she's a radio personality, and she has a nonprofit for middle schoolers and high schoolers, and she just takes them out. They're normally from marginalized communities and high schools, and she just takes them out and just teaches them different things, whether it's like how to dress professionally, or here's how to tie a tie, or here's, as a kid, how you can handle your mental health. And so she brought me in to help them with breath work and uh, meditation, and they were just so much fun, but they were so engaged, and to hear them articulate and put into words, when I first got here, I was like this, but after doing this exercise with you, I'm either calm, I'm less anxious, I feel great, I'm so peaceful, I hurt the ocean and I want to be by the water. It was probably one of the most rewarding things to be involved in, to know that our youth are very open to wellness and self-care and meditating and breathing even if they weren't brought up in households that taught them how to do so and so to be that person that then is able to deliver that to them is such an honor and so that was probably the highlight of one of the highlights of my year yeah i think young people today because they have been so inundated with messaging from the phones and from the devices i think they recognize there's that need to like to back away from it all they understand that much more than we did much more. I mean, I teach at UTD and teach Introduction to Entrepreneurship, and there's 60 kids in that class, and they all get to pitch a startup idea, and I would say probably 20 kids pitched an idea around mental health and wellness and disconnecting from technology. It, it blew my mind that that's at the forefront of their minds daily. What advice do you have for young girls who are interested in maybe pursuing writing or communications or public relations? Um, you did mention earlier we're kind of in a another interesting ch- chapter with those careers just because it's a constantly changing career. You know, I'm in communications as well, and I liken it to almost as we've been pivoting so much for the last 15 years. We were, like, yeah. falling off a twister board at this point. But okay. what would you recommend, though, for people who are interested in using their skills to build communities, to put good work out there, to share with people and to bring people in to support causes or businesses or people or artists, you know, things that they believe in? Yeah, so first things first is I would say just kind of build your own platform. So you have to get comfortable. 
unfortunately, it's so saturated out on the market. Like you have to be able to produce content and you have to be able to share it consistently. And so however you want to build your platform or if there's a niche that you're kind of segued into, whether that's starting your own blog and, and writing your own blog, or or you don't even have if you're not a writer but doing that same coverage through amazing photography if you're a photographer or to your point Aaron start a podcast or maybe it's a YouTube show any way that you can create content and share it consistently kind of gets you going so if one day you want an internship now you have some sort of proof or you have something out there that shows you have an interest You've been doing it consistently, and there's room for you to grow. So I would start there. Of course, if you're not old enough, get permission from your parents first. But, but that would be a good start. And then starting to network in those spaces with those people that you admire in those industries that you want to be in. You're never too young to get out there and and network and build your Rolodex, but I don't think you would know what Rolodex means. So build your, <laughs> your email. <laughs> build your email or your contact list so that when it does get to that point, you you know, you have people that can help you get to where you want to be. Fantastic advice. Leah Frazier, thank you for being with us on the Girls That Create podcast today. Thank you for having me. It was so much fun. To all of you tuning in, Thank you for joining us on Girls That Create on Word of Mom Radio. We all have so many talents within. Let's remember to embrace new paths that appear at our feet. Here's our closing theme song by Smith Sisters and the Sunday Drivers. Till next time, this is Erin Prather Stafford. She is sure. just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry 
In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.